Hi, it's Lynn Galadner, and welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm a writer and entrepreneur, and through decades of writing articles for magazines and newspapers and authoring books, I've learned that we succeed through inspiration from storytelling and deep and mutually beneficial relationships. This show began in 2018 after my father was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and I wanted a way to capture his stories and record his insights. It's grown since then to share stories of how people around the world make meaning from very ordinary pursuits. Now I focus on sharing the stories of writers, authors, and those in the world of publishing to learn how and why we create stories that help us make meaning from the mundane. I'm a former journalist and marketing entrepreneur, and I've been teaching writing for more than two decades. As a writing coach, I help authors build their brands and share their words. I've had eight books published already, and I just finished my second novel, so stay tuned for news about when and where you can read it. If you'd like to write with me, check out my offerings at lynngaladner.com, and you'll find more episodes of this podcast at makemeaning.org, as well as on every podcast platform you can think of. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to the Make Meaning Podcast, where you'll find stories of courageous people daring to share their talent with the world. Now, on to the show. Hi, everyone. I have a great opportunity coming up in January 2023 called the Author Brand and Marketing Mastermind. This is a 12-week program for which I'm only going to accept 10 writers, and there are just a few spots left. It's a great opportunity to delve into your writer brand and also create a marketing plan that you feel confident to implement. Today, we all know that writers, no matter whether they're published with a big publishing house or self-publishing or somewhere in the middle, have to help out with the marketing of their works. If you want to sell books, if you want to get your writing published, if you really want to build a name for yourself as a writer, this is the course for you. I am now accepting applications for registration, and you can learn more at lynngaladner.com. Get your spot before it's sold out. Wayno Randall is an award-winning novelist who was born in China and came to the United States at the age of 24. She earned an MA in English from Texas Women's University and has worked as the subject matter expert for Southern New Hampshire University's online MFA program. She lives in Boston with her husband and children. Today, I speak with Wayna on the Make Meaning podcast about her career as a novelist, which includes a historical duology about Wu Zetian, China's only female emperor, and the gorgeous novel, The Last Rose of Shanghai, a love story during World War II that connects Shanghai's community of Jewish refugees with its local Chinese aristocracy. I'm so excited to welcome Wayna Randall to the Make Meaning podcast. Wayna, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Lane, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this talk for a few months. Me too. And, you know, then, of course, I read The Last Rose of Shanghai to prepare for this interview. And I literally, like, ignored all of my work. I ignored my kids. I just, like, sat there reading this fantastic book. So I got even more excited because your writing is just so gorgeous and riveting. And I just wanted to sort of hear the story and get behind how you do what you do. So I'm really excited for this conversation. So let's start with, um, I know you came to the United States in your 20s. And you've built this beautiful literary career, uh, writing in English. I wanted to ask how hard that has been for you to write so beautifully in what is your second language? How hard it is? It's yeah. very hard. 
<laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I would say that. Yes, I I came to this country when I was 24. I married、okay. a wonderful Jewish man, and he's actually from Farmington Hills. So am I. That's so funny. What a small world. <laughs> I know.、Yes. Uh, so I went to school in Texas, Texas Women's、mm-hmm. University, and I trained my language skills over there. So after I、uh, after living in Texas for a number of years and went to school there, I I switched from Chinese to English. So、uh-huh. able to write and speak and.、Uh, Dream in English when I'm asleep, so I just completely、wow. put my Chinese aside and I dove into the English world.、Um, mm. Yeah, it was kind of a challenge. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure, I, you know, I'm not fluent in, enough in another language to be able to write in it. So I can pick up words, or I could, you know, sort of stumble through some spoken sentences. But I think it's just such a skill and a talent to be able to write in multiple languages. So kudos to you; you do it very, very well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so,、um, how do you choose your subjects? You know, what what intrigues you about writing historical fiction in particular? But how do you choose the specific focus for each of your books? So、um, I've published three novels so far. The first two novels was a duology. A、mm-hmm. it's a story about a thirteen-year-old Chinese girl who dreamed to become the ruler of the country,、mm-hmm. and、uh, it was a biographical fi- fiction, biographical fiction based on the first and only female ruler in China, set in seventh century.、Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think my love of history started with that because I was always interested into history, and I thought、mm-hmm. it would be fun. It would be very interesting to introduce Empress Wu to readers、mm-hmm. in the U.S. Because、mm-hmm. even though Empress Wu was very familiar to many Chinese people, but she is literally unknown in this country. Right. Uh, so I started with her, and after I finished、uh, her stories, and I was like, "Oh God, what am I gonna do?" <laughs> <laughs> um, I had I have many historical historical fiction writer friends, and because of Empress Wu, I became I befriended many of them, and many of them were writing World War Two novels at that time、mm. after two thousand sixteen. Mm-hmm. And、uh, World War Two fiction, you know, it's still very popular nowadays. And I was like, man, you know, those European stories are excellent, but I didn't grow up there, and、right. I, I'm not familiar with the European culture or European stories or figures,、yeah. historical、yeah. figures. But I know about Chinese. But I was like, who, who's going to be interested in reading? Uh, World War Two stories set in China. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I never thought I should do it. But then、uh, one, one time a friend, I was in Dallas then, and she heard that my family is Jewish, my husband is Jewish.、Mm-hmm. She heard that I was gonna give a bar mitzvah to my daughter, and she's、mm-hmm. like, "Oh my God, Wayna, your family is Jewish. You should write about Jews in Shanghai." Wow, and you didn't know that there was a Jewish community there during World War II. I knew it, Lynn.、Yeah. Knew a little bit, but I was like, you know, I was in China. 
and those Jews, and how could I write from like Jews' perspective, right? Yeah. I was very intimidated. I never thought I would write stories like that. Right. Yeah. So um, uh, after she told me, I went back home and I did some research and mm -hmm. about Jews and the ghetto in Shanghai and mm -hmm. how they survived under Japanese occupation, mm -hmm. how they were confined in a ghetto absolutely with no help whatsoever. Mm. I recalled when I was in Shanghai, people, Shanghai people were very interested in Jews and they were like, oh, they look so different from Chinese, but not that different. <laughs> guys and you know black hair yes. so uh, there was a story in Shanghai that uh, during World War II many Jews came to Shanghai and they were starving in the ghetto they could they were forbidden from exiting the, the, the ghetto and they were starving so mm. Shanghai people would throw the loaves of bread into mm. the alleys mm. eat them Wow. So now that's the story that just stuck in my mind for many years. Uh -huh. And I knew, like, uh, this is beautiful. I love stories like that. I'm a sucker to stories like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I started to look into the history and remembering this tale of China, friendship between uh, Shanghai people and Jews, and I was like, yeah, I can write something like that. Uh huh. Uh -huh. And now that I I have a daughter and I'm preparing uh, her bar mitzvah, then I still needed to educate myself in Judaism. Sure. <laughs> Fortunately, my my husband he he doesn't think he's a good Jew, but he he spells out some kind of uh, Jewish culture like now and then. I I don't know if you know you know any of them, but they all do. They. Yeah, I'm Jewish, so I get it. <laughs> oh, you're, you're Jewish. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he was like Shemotz or Hotspot or all those like Jewish <laughs> vocabulary, Yiddish vocabulary. I, I every time when he says something like that, I was like, wait a second, tell me how to spell that. <laughs> so over over the years, I accumulated some kind of vocabulary, and okay. uh, of course, it was not enough to write about Jews and I did a lot of research once I started to write the story in Shanghai and uh, I also believe that it was important to put Chinese perspective in there too so it will be two perspectives a Chinese perspective and a Jewish perspective yeah, yeah. And, and because Shanghai is is a lovely place and I adore the place. I love the place. I went to school there and I got a few, a number of jobs there. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to uh, show how Shanghai wa was through mm -hmm. two different perspectives. So did you go back to spend any time there to sort of look at maps of the time or like how did you evoke the Shanghai, Shanghai in that time? so believably like I felt like I was there I felt like I could see the streets like I could you know hear the noises from the activity so even if you know it today or even 20 years ago that's very different than what it was like you know in the 1930s and 1940s so how did you how did you achieve that in such a detailed and descriptive way yeah, you're right. I started to poring over the maps and different maps and different period. And I also read a lot of novels and literature written by Chinese authors. Mm -hmm. And because I can read Chinese, right? Yeah. So it was it was easier for me and to yeah. capture the flavor there. Yeah. And the way that Chinese writers 
uh, portray the streets and even those like the haggling of those vendors are yeah. different. It's very original. And when I read it, I was like, yeah, that's just like that. <laughs> wow. Cool. <laughs> it's interesting. I, um, I've started a historical novel about Jews in Scotland in oh. the 19th century. And so I've done some research from afar, but I, and I just spent a month in the summer in Scotland in the Highlands, but the characters that are based on real people were in Glasgow and then in mm -hmm. London in England. So um, I, and I, it's been a very long time since I've been to Glasgow or London and I, and I've done it in the 21st century, you know, or the 20th century. So I feel like I have to go back to what it was like in the 1800s and really understand the streets and the communities. And it's harder to recreate. You have to really like immerse yourself in it. Yes, you do. You do. And you really needed to see the world through the character's mindset and even through the character's goals and how everything will play to his advantage or play against his will. Mm -hmm. uh, I I think uh, if, if you read... Uh, now, is it Elizabeth George's books? Uh -huh. She wrote a book about craft. Okay. And she, she was talking about the, the setting, how to make setting as part of character, as your enemy and as your friend for the character. And she talked about that very well. Mm, I will put that in the show notes. Thank you for that recommendation. So um, the, the love story between Ie and Ernest is so vivid. It's harrowing. It's redemptive. Tell me what inspired their love story. How did you bring them together and sort of envision these two very vibrant characters? Uh, okay, so from the very beginning, I was like, I really was very sp skeptical about who's going to read the stories at Asia. <laughs> so I was like, what can I make people? How can I make people pick up the book and yeah. read it? So I was like, Everybody loves a love story. So, yeah. yeah, it has to be a love story. And for me, it's easy to write from a Chinese woman's perspective. Sure. The hardest part was from the Jewish man's perspective, from Ernest's perspective. Yeah. Ernest was, was very difficult to grasp for almost a year and a half. I just mm. couldn't put my mind into it. Mm. So, um, like, I had a four revisions and finally Ernest just like whoosh just swelled into my mind I was like oh my god I can really feel him his mistake but his ignorance and but his kindness and his boldness is everything just went together mm, that's so nice as a teacher of writing um, what are the most important lessons that you convey to your students and that, you know, aspiring writers need to know and believe? People often ask me what kind of advice you have for aspiring writers, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, for me, it's because I started writing as a mother and mm -hmm. I had like two, two babies to take mm -hmm. care of when I started to write. Mm -hmm. For me, it was very important to carve out a uh, period of time in your day, you know, mm -hmm. you have so many work to do and play dates, lunch dates and mm -hmm. house and all with job and everything. You can mm -hmm. really get sidetracked easily, but just search mm -hmm. firm like one hour or 30 minutes or 10 minutes in your day and sit down and write. Mm -hmm. Then during that period of, of time, you just make sure this is your time and you will not answer your phone calls from your mother-in-law or your sisters and you just write mm -hmm. and do it every day 
for like for months and years. Because for me, it's very important to understand being a novelist. Really,、mm-hmm. it is a lifestyle. Yeah, not something that a hobby you pick up and then drop and pick up and forget about it. Because、right. if you forget about it, your manuscript, your characters will forget about you too, and they'll <laughs> leave you. Yes, and then. Years passed. Five years passed, and you are still an aspiring writer. Yeah. yeah. So it's important to stick to your goal、mm-hmm. uh, and write, but it's also important to understand that、uh, writing is an art,、mm-hmm. and publishing is a business.、Mm. Let's say that again. I love that distinction. So <laughs> writing is an art, and publishing is a business. So tell me more about that. Yes, many writers, including myself, I I resent the idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why? I just want to write. Yes, don't、yes. care about business. Yeah, but it doesn't work that way because when once your book is published, it's not yours anymore. A,、mm. It's a collaborative effort of your. Editor, your agent, the publishing house, the marketing team, the publicist,、mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and you—it's it, just—it's not just about you anymore. It's about the book. It's、mm-hmm. always about the book, the book's performance.、Mm-hmm. Of course, it's your future, but it's about the book's performance and、mm-hmm. sales and the reviews and all kind of stuff.、Mm-hmm. This part of、uh, writer's life is very distracting and、mm. very challenging for any writers at the beginning,、mm. uh, and、uh, you will also see that in publishing you can never get what you want, and this is upsetting to know too. I'm so sorry to tell you the bad news, but that was always good news if because if you are passionate about writing about your book. Be happy about what you are doing, and this will bring you happiness. That will keep you going, and you will keep writing.、Hmm. So, tell me then about your journey to finding an agent and a publisher, and how that has、um, come out for you. So, I started out like just like everyone else. I went to conferences, and in the conferences, you will have opportunity to pitch your project to agents or editors.、Mm-hmm. And after that, agents or editors will say, "Hey, I like your your concept. Send me a few pages, ten pages, you know, fifty、mm-hmm. pages." Or if somebody said, "Send me a whole manuscript," my heart will be like pounding. Oh my God, he's really interested in it. <laughs> so I'll just go home and send it to her immediately.、Uh-huh. But I received eighty-two rejection letters for my first novel.、Mm, okay, four years. Oh my gosh! So just to let you know, hey, this is a long journey. You know, you have、yeah. you have this excitement of request a manuscript, and then you have this heartbreaking moment of rejection. It it can keep going, keep going, and make you feel like, oh, I'm losing my hope. Mm. Can be very hard, but that's what I did, and then eventually one、uh, one agent made a connection with me, and、mm-hmm. she recommended me to her junior agent, and、mm-hmm. we signed the deal and sold the book, and that's it. <laughs> wow! And you've had the same agent, same publisher for all of your books, then? Ah,、uh, 
Like I said, Ling, earlier, publishing the business, it's never that simple. Okay, okay. I, I parted away with the agent and I signed up with another agent. And the other agent pitched my books to uh, other publishers. And Amazon's Lake Union made an offer for The Last Rose of Shanghai and The Night Angels, which will come out next year. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Okay. This is Great going on now. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about your writing practice. Like how often do you write? How do you plan out your novels? You know, how much of your time is devoted to the business of your books versus writing them? Okay. So usually, um, I would just like spend all day writing. When I'm writing, I don't know what's going on. I forget about my kid's fencing lesson and I got... <laughs> Karate mixed up with something else. I <laughs> I usually spend like six hours a day writing, okay, or like three months, mm-hmm. and they would be just eating food from the freezer. <laughs> 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 so uh, after that, I will put it down and I will start to think about how to revise and take a break, and then I go back there and revise again, and go back then and revise again. And you write five days a week, seven days a week. How does that work? I do it every day. So every for day. me, the beautiful thing is every day is a Monday. Yeah, I, I think when, when you really are doing something you enjoy, mm-hmm. Saturday and Sunday are terrible days because you can't write. <laughs> yes, yes. So Monday and Tuesday, they're beautiful because kids are out. <laughs> <laughs> Now, do you have to spend any of your time devoted to the business of your books, like um, giving talks or doing any of the marketing or, I don't know, like traveling to do some events for the book or or, or any of that? Yeah, uh, with The Last Rose of Shanghai, I, I'm thrilled with the great reception. I do have a lot of um, talks and mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. Uh, events coming up. Uh, they are usually in the end of September to December. So, okay. uh, yeah, it would be very difficult to write when I'm going out and talk to people. Because sure. talking scrambles my mind. <laughs> right <laughs> when I'm talking. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's all about control. Like, okay, I'm, I look at my calendar and I see, okay, I have an event I have this podcast with a link on Friday, but I don't have an event on Thursday. So I will write on Thursday I'm from morning to the to evening to midnight. And then in the morning, in the morning, I'll get ready for your talk and I don't write. And then at night, I will start to write again. Hmm. And how do you plan your novels? Do you do you use a beat sheet? Do you structure them or do you character outlines or do you just dive in? Oh, I don't dive in because I got nothing if I just dive in (laughs) researching. First, I will have to have a very good concept. So many people in Hollywood, they call it high concept for Mm -hmm. your novel. But for me, it has to be a very interesting concept. Mm -hmm. So it will intrigue me, make me excited. And then Mm -hmm. I will write and then I will look into the part of history. For Mm -hmm. me, I would do some research first and figured out the historical events and mm-hmm. figured out how my characters would do and what the plot would be. Mm-hmm. Because it's very important for me to see the ending. When I have the ending, I can go back. Like, And if I don't see the ending, I was like, okay, wh- wh- where's it going to go? I don't know. Well, 
I have to tell you, I did not see the ending coming until shortly before in the last Rose of Shanghai. So I didn't like in the beginning, I I didn't, I'm not going to do any spoilers on the podcast, but I didn't see it. I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Okay. You know, and then like at the end, I'm like, no way. And then I could go back and see all the seeds that were planted, but, but there was suspense built. It was, it really built up. And so it was, it was such an amazing revelation. I was like, oh my gosh, look how it comes full circle. So very well done, I have to say. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So what have been your most fruitful marketing channels to promote your books and your writing? Like, do you like speaking with book clubs or media outlets? Like what has been sort of the, the best channel for you to just connect with the larger audience? I really wish I could tell you. I don't know. I usually just do events because people reach out to me. They invite me and I do it. I don't have a publicist for The Last Rose of Shanghai. The publisher didn't assign me one. Okay. So I don't think I did a good job with the marketing at all. I really don't. Yeah. Really? Because okay. like the event with your with your talk, it was arranged. I, we were connected by our cousin yes. and all those other events like in-person events in Houston, in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, they were arranged by Jewish Book Council. Yeah. So I, I really don't know. I'm not good at marketing either. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm just a writer. Right? I don't yeah. have expertise in marketing. Do you have like a newsletter that you send out or do you post on your social media about the book or you know, any of those things that like might be your channels alone, not from the publisher. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I do have a newsletter and on my website, if you go to my website, you will see, hey, sign up for my newsletter. Okay. But I'm embarrassed to say that I have this every newsletter like for six years and I probably send out like two newsletters. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I am very bad at that. Just don't think I'm a very good model on this, but I do have a social media presence. I have Instagram, I have Twitter, and I have Facebook. And I just make posts whenever I have some news to share. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I'm very bad at marketing myself. So mm. Have the books done well? And like, were your, was your publisher pleased? Oh, yeah, the book is done great. And yeah. like six months, only six months into the public publication, like 100,000 copies were sold. Oh my God, that's amazing. That's I was so great. And like, they, they just told me another foreign language sale was, was. Congratulations. That's so exciting. And so far it's like 10 foreign languages. I was like, yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. And it was also like Jewish book, National Jewish Book Council finalist, awards mm -hmm. finalist. So I'm happy wow. with that. Good, 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 good. Um, so how has the publishing industry changed since you began writing and publishing books? Oh, boy. I think it really has changed a lot. Um, I would say people's reading habits have changed. Hmm. Even some like uh, avid readers are shifting towards Netflix and hmm. other shows. Yeah. Fewer readers available. Hmm. And okay. the more writers are doing marketing on their own by okay. because uh, they are pressured by the sales, they are pressured by the, themselves or the peers, mm -hmm. and more and more people are going out to social media, and it's kind of norm for writers to be on social media, yeah. and to have a media platform. Yeah. 
So, yeah. And this was like unthinkable 20 years ago. You could never imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, what's next for you in your writing career? Uh, Next, I have an uh, exciting book coming out. It's called Night Angels. Mm -hmm. It will come out in February next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, it's a uh, story. It's story about a diplomatic couple who risk mm-hmm. their lives mm-hmm. issuing visas to Jews so mm. they could escape Nazi uh, Austria, Vienna, to mm-hmm. Shanghai. And oh. that's based on the true story of Dr. Hofenshang, the Righteous Among Nations. Oh wow! Sounds very exciting. So February 2023 is when it's due out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. We will look for that. We'll put links in the show notes to all of your things so people can sign up for the newsletter that you never send. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they can find you and they can buy all your books and become a big fan and wait for you to, to speak. Um, so as our conversation comes to a close, I mm-hmm. wonder if you might have any last pieces of advice for our listeners who might be aspiring to write a novel or maybe they're afraid to or intimidated by it. Any any words of wisdom you'd like to pass along? I know it's very difficult to share your writing pieces once you finish. It's very difficult to share because you are afraid. Mm-hmm. You are worried people will judge you, judge your writing and judge yourself. But don't. Don't be afraid. Don't, just write what you want to write and... Um, Share and so in the your goal is to be published. So understand, many people are going to criticize you. So don't worry about other criticism. Do what you love, and just keep going. Keep perfecting your skills. Keep perfecting your story. What matters is the story. People are not judging you at all. People Mm. are reading your story and they judge the story. Thank you so much. I always tell my writing students that if one person is helped or inspired by what you write, it was worth it. You know, that was, I mean, and hopefully it's many more than one, but if you have one that just says, wow, this story changed me or lifted me in some way, it was well worth putting it out in the world, right? Yes, absolutely. And if you don't like some books or some stories, the way they were told, write one yourself. Ah, love that. Yourself, yes. Excellent. Well, Wayna, it was so nice to talk with you. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Make Meaning podcast. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me, Ling. Wayna Randall is an award-winning novelist who was born in China and came to the United States at the age of 24. She earned an MA in English from Texas Women's University and has worked as the subject matter expert for Southern New Hampshire University's online MFA program. She lives in Boston with her husband and children. Today, I speak with Wayna on the Make Meaning podcast about her career as a novelist, which includes a historical duology about Wu Zetian, China's only female emperor, and the gorgeous novel, The Last Rose of Shanghai, a love story during World War II that connects Shanghai's community of Jewish refugees with its local Chinese aristocracy. I'm so excited to welcome Wayna Randall to the Make Meaning podcast. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world. And please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more at makemeaning.org or lynngaladner.com.